Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Prep Life Podcast. This is your founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini, Amy Anger, today with my fabulous co-host. Hey, guys. This is Chris Nicole, Glam Girl Bikini Coach and IFBB Bikini Pro. So Chris is just getting back to North Carolina. I got back on Sunday. We were both in the Berg, Pittsburgh. Yeah. And we were at Masters Nationals. So today is going to be a recap of that. But if you wanted to give our audience a little prep update, where are you at with your mini cut, Chris? Oh, yes. So I'm doing all of the hits still. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's like the thing to talk about. Um, no, I'm doing that and I'm working out really hard. Guys, if you're doing hit, tag me on Instagram so that I have like some community of people behind me because it is like brutal doing that on your own. Um, but yeah, it's been a good challenge as well. And uh, I was, I did really well, like traveling and sticking with my meal plan. You know, we had talked last week that I was given a little bit of a calorie dip. And um, I think things are working really well. I'm actually seeing the, scale finally trending um downward because i was you know you know what it's like to be stuck in a plateau but the addition of the hit and the calorie adjustment that amy has made for me is showing up um but most of all aside from the scale um would you feel like my body is looking tighter and i'm putting on some mass so i'll be excited to get um, some DEXA results after this 10 week cut and see what the actual data is with body fat and, uh, muscle tissue. But yeah, things are going swimmingly. I think like I've at this point, it's so normal to me to, uh, to diet and prep that, uh, I forget like what's update on. So yeah, things have been good and I'm excited to see how I look at the end of that 10 weeks. Yeah, I I still am technically in like an off season, I guess you would say, but I just started ramping up some cardio and movement this week. So, yeah, I've been waking up a little bit earlier. I just find that for me, when I'm in the off season, like improvement season, I can try to fit in, hit um, post workout at the gym mm-hmm. because it's short. Uh, but once right. I start kind of like edging my way in towards um, that transition period where I'm about to start, um, you know, cutting or whatever, then I just find that it's so much easier to wake up early in the morning, um, especially with our type of job. It's so yes. sedentary, like check-in days. If I don't do early morning movement, I am like looking at the end of the day at three and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have less than you know, 8,000 steps and it's really hard to catch up. So it's been really nice to, I mean, the waking up early part hasn't been nice. I should rephrase that. (laughs) It's been really nice to see at 7am that I've already gotten like five to 7,000 steps. Um, That's encouraging. Uh, And then it makes the rest of the day feel like really accomplished because I don't feel like it took away from anything. It's just it's like giving me time, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I don't have to alter my work schedule. I don't have to alter my time with my family. No one's awake at that time. And I don't have work to do at that time. And so it just, um, mm-hmm. so yeah, that's been like a new thing this week for me. And I continue to carb cycle and 
and I, yeah, I'm just, I'm feeling really good on that aspect and travel, um, you know, it always kind of gets you a little bit out of your routine and things like with sleep. Mm -hmm. So just finally catching up on that. Um, I have a question. Yeah. Because morning, so I've started the same thing, like getting up and getting some steps in early, like first thing, because step counts stress me out. I don't know why, like that's the hardest thing for me in prep. But yeah, getting a big chunk done in the beginning of the day. Is there um, something that you like to do uh, while you're getting your steps? Like if you're on the treadmill uh, to occupy your time in the morning? (laughs) I hate to admit this because I feel like it's so it's so trash right now and it's probably not filling my mind space in a good area. I used to like do, you know, self-help things like listen to audiobooks yeah. and podcasts and everything, but um recently just it's been so entertaining to watch Below Deck Mediterranean. <laughs> yes. So I've been binge watching them on like season 3, but it makes the time goes so fast when I'm on yeah. a treadmill. I'm just like, I don't even notice it going by. So to me, it's worth it because um, yes. the value of, you know, making my workout and I am staying within my heart rate zone and I don't notice it and it just doesn't seem that as grueling. So I always get questions, you know, people that don't like cardio that much. They're like, what should I do? And I mean, mm-hmm. as, as much as I want to say, like feed your mind with like, positive things and um things that are going to help you with self-growth and things like that sometimes just like those mindless activities too can just yes entertain you and um can bring value to your day in the form of just like um sometimes when you see that kind of drama you're like wow my life is <laughs> it's not that bad <laughs> you can't imagine like how dramatic these people are um it's just humorous to me so so yeah that's my trick recently um that's my little dirty secret but um so yeah with the show um over the weekend so first of all I have um this week I've got another you know we're down the pipe with um another peak week starting uh with one of my athletes she's uh, doing a show in Oklahoma um the first weekend of August Mm, and then we have another athlete getting ready for a show in Phoenix so she starts her peak week this weekend So, yeah, we're always busy with shows this time of season. It's just very um, busy and exciting um, in that regard. And then I have another athlete, you know, a couple more weeks, like, doing another show. It just seems like we have shows pretty much every weekend in in the summer um, season. So let's talk about this national show, Masters Nationals. It's for just Masters competitors. Uh, The one the day that we went was Saturday and the bikini categories went first and then wellness was on the same day and with bikini in the masters nationals it's the best odds of winning your pro card of any event in the country and the world uh, because you have the most height splits the most age splits Mm -hmm. for the division so you've got you know even your 60 plus that was a pretty big one. I was surprised. Yes. And then they had two for 55. Um, they had, I think, A through F in 45. And then they had A through F in 40. And then they had A through H in 35 for bikini. So every first place winner. So one of the questions was, 
is there a master's event that second place wins a pro card? Never. I don't know mm-hmm. what it is, but it's only in the open and only certain shows in the United States have first and second place. And those would be USA's universe, NPC nationals. Am I forgetting one? Is junior mm. nationals one? I can't remember. I think that's only first place. I think that's only first. Yeah. yeah. North Americans is only first. And then like junior USA's is overall top three. So, Definitely the most height splits for the pro card winners, but it's against the first place winner that wins the pro card. And then in wellness, they had 45, 40, and 35, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, they didn't have any 50 or 55 or anything like that. And all of those splits were A through D, even in the 35. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, one thing to know that has in I've been around for a long time as far as I entered the sport at 31. So I was an open competitor for, you know, several years, but for the majority of my competing career, I've been masters and that's been my experience at the national level. I didn't start competing at the national level until I was masters. So masters nationals Mm -hmm. was actually my first national show I ever did. And I remember when I went there at 35, It was at that time only A through F and I remember there not being very many people, especially in, I don't even know if they had 50 back then. I don't think they did. I think they maybe had 40 and 45 and they were like A through D. So it's grown throughout the years, um, just in a short time span. And what I've noticed, especially, and I don't know if it's due to recent inflation and more mature population that is more established in their career that is making good money things like that they can afford this expensive sport i've just noticed that the older categories especially 50 in the last two years has grown tremendously they're huge yeah and then you look at the 35 and they used to be like 30 deep i remember even last year my 40 class i think had like 30 people in it and this year wow. it was like half that. Um, and then the 35, um, if I would have done G, which is my height class at 35, there were only eight people in it this year. And usually it's yeah. 20 to 30 people. So it's definitely been a shift in that. And I think mm-hmm. that's my, that's my uh, rationale. That's my deduction that it's maybe um, an affordability thing, but any thoughts on that? Uh, no, I think that you said it all very well. Okay. <laughs> all right. So, um, Chris is about to be masters, um, in September. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. So yeah, that's going to be a new, um, thing for her to kind of dabble in with mm-hmm. next year. So we were talking to JM and, I was actually talking to, I've interviewed her on the podcast before, Miriam Jenkins. She's a really high level um, pro for, she's over 50 and she's won several shows. Um, She's really competitive. So she was competing the next day on Sunday at the Masters Worlds, which is a brand new show. And we were just talking and um, she said that this year there have been several shows and I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but like 
it's not every master's show as a pro, um, but just to give context to listeners, for those of you that don't know, um, yeah. when you're an IFBB pro, you sign a contract, um, and basically the contract states that you get all of your entry fees paid for uh, by the IFBB. And so when you sign a contract for a show, the only time you get charged is if you back out of a show um, right. once you sign the contract. So this has been new this year because of lack of sponsorship for the master's shows. Apparently the open shows are the only ones that are getting dollars for the purse. Um, there's been a lot of master's shows where the pros have to pay an entry fee and then mm -hmm. that gets pooled. So depending on how many competitors there are, the top three or the first place, whichever they deem, however many people enter, basically that's their purse and they get a percentage of that. And then the promoter kind of covers the awards and things like that. But um, and did you have anything to add on that? I just thought that was interesting. It's not every pro master's show, but just like a couple of the promoters are finding that they're not getting sponsorships this year for the master's shows. Yeah, it definitely, I mean, plays a part when you're trying to budget and create your timeline. I mean, a lot of the stuff that Amy and I are doing now with me are to prepare for next year. And, you know, like if you're in the sport, timing is everything. So making sure that it's either within your budget or um, just considering that that may be a possibility, I think is important for people to know because I wouldn't have known if you hadn't talked to Miriam. So uh, yeah, just it's different things to consider when you're moving forward. Yeah, I mean, as a pro, you don't make a lot in the purse as it is and that's if you win. So if you don't win, I mean, you have the travel costs, you have the tan, the hair, the makeup, the suit, the heels, the jewelry. Uh, whatever it is, there's so many different costs, like the hotel, all right. those things. Is, I mean, even if you win a show and you win the purse, it's like it's basically just pays for that show, right? Yeah, um, unless you're exactly. winning like the Olympia and the Arnold and things like that. That's actually <laughs> like a salary type of yeah. situation. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it, I guess it was like, to me, I, I was hearing that some of these entry fees are more than like what amateurs pay at a national level to earn mm -hmm. their pro status. So to me, it's just like, I don't know, I, I have, have a little bit of issue with that <laughs> in terms of like, you're no longer an amateur, you know, like you're, you're, you're competing to make money. So, um, but anyway, I think a lot of, I think that's important to note though, too, that this sport is more about uh, finding like your brand as mm -hmm. an athlete. And if you go in with the expectation that you're going to be making thousands of dollars by competing, then even as a pro at the elite ones, like that's, that's not a good <laughs> mindset to have. Like you, you're really yes. doing it for other reasons, like for, you know, like Great. you get certain sponsorships or, you know, like you're representing your, you're putting your name out there. Um, so whether it be, you know, through supplement companies or like Great. a coaching business and things like that, there's other ways to grow. And like, that's what it kind of does for you. But I think it's important to kind of note that it's not like an NBA basketball player. <laughs> like once you go exactly. Pro. Right. Yes. Yeah. I I do feel like some people have that 
misconception and uh even my boyfriend and i talk about it and he's like there's like athletes in bodybuilding get way more recognition than powerlifting i'm like yeah but we still need to work too we still need jobs so yeah it's an interesting phenomenon but there there is a lot of like beautiful things about the sport and having that uh that title uh i don't think the title means everything but um yeah you still got a budget you still as a pro you still got a budget for those shows and be smart about it and so as a coach like i i understand as a like being an athlete too what you guys go through and um you i mean you do as well amy i think we we pretty much walk the same walk it's just maybe different levels yeah and i think the more you i mean i'm an amateur and so the longer i've been in the sport the more things that and i'm not trying to say this to like brag about it or anything like that but like i still am an amateur but i i get most of my things paid for like yeah my tan my jewelry my heels my suit like all those things i i get those paid for um through people because i I consume those those products. I've consumed those products for so long and I believe in certain brands and I represent them as an athlete, but also I make recommendations to a lot of athletes too. So, um, you know, I'm not going to recommend anything to somebody that I don't believe in and I don't use myself, but it does take time to get those kinds of sponsorships. Um, like with supplements too. Like it's, it took me a long time in this industry to get my supplements paid for. It's just over time, these things happen, but it's, I mean, you don't necessarily have to even be a pro to make, um, I'm sure there's like pros with less sponsorships and, you know, there was a time when I was an amateur that I was paying for everything too. So it's like, I think it's just one of those things that you have to understand that, um, when you're making money here, it's through the sport. <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to say. Am I making any sense? Yeah, no, I think that it should be encouraging to people to know that you don't have to have a title of being a pro to be successful in the sport, to have influence on people to like, you know, your Instagram following or to make good connections with people that are as passionate as you in the industry. They just may, may be more focused on uh, tanning or the like the different aspects of it rather than being a competitor themselves. So, uh, again, it's still, as the sport is growing, it's still a small niche and there's you, um, like how you carry yourself in the sport and the connections you make really, I think make the experience and make it worth it. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of like what I took from it. Yeah. And I mean, you know me, I hate like the word influencer and I don't have a big Instagram <laughs> following, but I think, I think what matters is that whatever you're like, the connections that you're making are quality ones. So like, yes. I don't need a million followers and I don't need to be like posting like these unauthentic posts, right? But, like if somebody has a real need and a real problem, then I'm going to be like, you know what? I did this or I used mm-hmm. this and I really liked it. So I think this will help you you know and yeah that's, exactly and so I just like share that advice with them <laughs> um, well that's the mission of the podcast yeah exactly so um okay so getting to 
we were talking about the um the age thing and then um yes and then we were talking about uh man i just lost my train of thought okay what was one of the things that your takeaways were from masters nationals because i feel like we got off track with these sponsorship things Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, definitely. I felt like the evening show went really fast. Uh, they did a good job of moving stuff along and prejudging, but you know, there's, it always takes uh, plenty of time. Finals. I felt like, I mean, luckily this show both morning and evening started right on time, but it's like, do not anticipate to uh, like wait around. They didn't have anybody do their routines. So uh, if you were in the evening show, you you came out, they announced you, you waved, and then you either exited, or if you were top five, you stayed on the diagonal, and then they give you awards. So it went very quick. Um, and I actually had to like hurry up one of my clients to get backstage um, because we didn't realize it was moving that quickly. Uh, so that was one thing I felt like was very different. It was nice to get out. Uh, early earlier so that people could go get some food and we could get to bed at a decent time Um, but it was like a whirlwind the finals was like okay you couldn't blink yeah and so pre-judging cost was $30 finals was 60 and if you're going to watch a loved one I just want to point this out that especially even the top five they didn't do an individual routine they Mm -hmm. they got you know, their name called and they waved and they hit like a a wave, a pose, a front pose maybe. Um, And then they went on the diagonal. So if you want to actually see, um, you know, your loved one posing, getting live judged, all those things, like seeing their individual routines, seeing the comparison around, seeing the call outs, I would highly suggest spending the $30 for pre-judging and not the $60 for finals. Um, Yeah. Literally, if you didn't make the top five, you were lined up on stage and they'd call your name and you'd just wave and then you walked off. So there was zero posing at night. Um, Mm -hmm. And then pretty much the only thing was like the overall that, you know, and then obviously finding out who won the pro card, like that's super exciting. So that would be worth it for people. Um, But yeah, I, I kind of, so one thing that I think, it's been good that we've kind of implemented with these national shows is doing like a little bit of a photo shoot with the girls outside mm-hmm. um, or, you know, right, right after touch-ups, right before the night show, the prejudging is, you know, stressful. It's long. Yeah. It's very much like hurry up and wait and yep. making sure like, you know, we had several athletes like, throughout in every single category basically from the beginning of the show to the end so you're Mm -hmm. constantly moving and making sure checking on people like tying people in going through their posing but then like at night it's super relaxed so it was nice to kind of get some pictures that were that were good when we were kind of like having fun and um I don't know I just thought it was fun I think it's a, a fun thing to add in um and then Friday night I think one of the good things too about the show is that we can look everybody over Friday night at team posing and we can do final touches. So we had three out of four renting suits and 
we mm -hmm. live, <laughs> you know, put them, two of them, we tried on several different suits. And as bodies change, I think it's just nice to be able to kind of see somebody in person and then see what a suit looks like on them and um, in their posing with their tan and everything. So we fitted people Friday night. And then um, one of the things I wanted to point out is if you are doing a wig, um, one of our ladies, she had pulled it out of a bag like from her suitcase. <laughs> I was like, okay, let's text Elaine. So Elaine's done all of the Olympians makeup and she's very, very good. She's been around forever. She's done my makeup, but she's done like Janet's, um, Angelica, like everybody's, that's anybody in this industry, basically she's done mm -hmm. their makeup. So, um, I told, um, uh, one of our glam girls to text her and, you know, ask her if she would style her wig. And I gave like a picture. I said, send her this picture, have her do it. I thought it was super cute. She has a great idea of, she didn't have a wig stand or, um, I like if you're traveling and you're using a wig, I like the hangers that you can buy on Amazon. You hang it in your closet and then it has like a little perch for your wig so that it doesn't get ruined. So she texted Elaine. Luckily, Elaine was available. She styled it that night. So she didn't have to worry about stressing about it in the morning because she didn't have an appointment or anything like that. Um, she used her ice bucket <laughs> as a wig stand, which I thought was super <laughs> creative. And mm -hmm. then it looked fabulous, but if yeah, you, it looked really good on her. Yeah. But she was going to kind of like touch it up in the morning. I was like, no, let's, let's not put that stress on you in the morning. Let's get this yeah. done by professional and then kind of set it so that you can just pop it on in the morning and you're good to go. And the only thing you have to worry about is your tan and your makeup. Yeah. Which if, I guess if you have extensions, that may be something you can do as well as if you're going to curl them, get them done the night before. So you don't have to worry about doing all that hair in the morning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And then I know that you had, um, something you wanted to talk about, like with halo and kind of like the wellness look and hair. Yeah. So I've noticed, uh, if, some of the wellness girls have really big upper bodies or they're very cut and they're full um, and almost like too big in the shoulder area where we're not getting the, what is it? The upside down martini glass or like the fuller bottom and the smaller top. Um, your hairstyle can play a role in that. So uh, doing like some soft curls can actually soften up your upper body and how you lay your hair on your shoulders or maybe some in front of your shoulders um, can soften up the look and also make your body, your lower body look a little bit fuller. Um, and especially like from the back too, if you have a very defined and cut back, um, having the juxtaposition of like the soft curls uh, with like the cut lower body and hiding the back, it will actually soften up the look and make it a little bit feminine up top. So, um, and yeah, I would say definitely like make sure, especially for wellness that you have enough hair. Um, because I think that the bodies are a little bit bigger. And so making sure that, you know, you don't want too much hair where it's making your body look super small, but you do want to make sure that it's adding that feminine look. Yeah, I've noticed that it's hard when you're trying to grow like super large legs, it's hard to not grow everywhere, right? 
So you'll see these wellness people with like pretty jacked arms and Mm -hmm. that's not the point. It's they're supposed to look like a bell, like it's narrow on top, disproportionate. The only category that's disproportionate. So, you know, in bikini, if you have a small framed person up top, you probably want like thinner, lighter hair. So you don't want to put as many extensions or you want like a thinner, shorter wig. Um, or, you know, if you're doing a halo kind of like making sure it's pretty thin, um, as opposed to, you know, in wellness where if you do have like broad, uh, back and things like that if you Mm -hmm. need to be able to pinch your shoulder blades whereas in bikini you would want to like open up your shoulder blades Mm -hmm. so that your rear delts kind of match your lower half if you want to hide and make your upper body narrow you can't really hide that if your hair is so thin that you kind of see your shoulders pinching together right yeah Yeah, and I saw somebody with like short short hair and wellness and it just it didn't do any favors and um yeah so, and then the other thing I wanted to point out that I just noticed about this show compared to Universe was that they're really awarding conditioning. Um, I yes. didn't really, I, I'll be honest though, I didn't really pay attention to wellness um, when we were at Universe because we didn't have anybody in that category. So, mm-hmm. I've just noticed the trend that it's becoming way more conditioned. The person that won the mm-hmm. overall wasn't necessarily like huge in size, but because her conditioning was so on point, her muscles, you know, you could see them very well. Um, mm-hmm. Other people had more massive legs, but they just weren't as conditioned and they, they fell in the bottom spots with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know from last year going to shows, it was almost like they were awarding size. Um, I just noticed like even girls that didn't have like cut V's in the back, like the deep V's of the glutes, but they had like huge quads and just like overall mass, like that was getting awarded and conditioning was like kind of second. And now I see a huge transition into the conditioning being really important for wellness. So it's not the same, like super dry, like you would see in figure, but I do think it's a little bit sharper in my opinion than bikini. So they want to see like the splits of your quad in the front and they want to, they want to see dimension in your glute and those deep V's. Like <laughs> there should be a shadow when you're on stage under your glutes. So it really, um, I think they're coming into their, their standard for wellness really well. And I'm seeing a lot of consistency through shows this year. So yeah, um, you know, you want to be big in wellness, but like watch your peak because you do want to have that, that conditioning because they are, they're awarding it. Yeah, and I know it's because it's a newer sport and probably, like, the younger people that have played soccer and things like that and have these developed lower bodies. Um, Mm -hmm. And a lot of people that are older, that are masters, had been doing bikini because they've always been having to, like, reduce their legs. So I just notice at the master's level, you're going to get away with a lot smaller legs and Mm -hmm. win your pro card and be in the top five with less muscle than you would in an open wellness. It's a huge difference for sure. Yeah. Um, Okay. So as far as overall, just um, feedback and everything, we Mm -hmm. were the first ones in line this time. (laughs) We were like beelining up to Sandy. 
And it was intense, guys. It was yeah. intense. Yeah. So I just feel like, first of all, as a coach, I think you just get better each time if you're at the show and you're seeing yeah. all the bodies and then you're seeing and hearing what the judges say. So I loved that mm-hmm. I could sit in on everybody's feedback. Um, so you went through everyone's feedback and then just kind of seeing what was awarded. Even in bikini, I noticed the conditioning was pretty peeled. So Yes, that's um, true. Yeah. So they they were pretty tiny, but their muscles looked bigger because they were so, so conditioned. Um, mm-hmm. Other trends that you saw with or things that you want to point out with feedback. I know you had a couple people that placed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is so exciting because my goal this year was uh, get more first call outs for my girls and we're doing it. So that's that's exciting. But uh, yeah, kind of like we talked about in the last uh, recap of Universe, like if feedback is conditioning, I think those that's something that's uh, – definitely feasible to turn over into a next national show especially if you're placing and you're you know you're improving um if your body is healthy and you're feeling good uh i think it's kind of like a no-brainer to just get the get the most out sometimes like you just have these runs of a prep where everything is just working magically and great and you want to maximize that I, i felt like that was my case when i won my pro card it was just like each show was getting better. My body was doing well and you just go with it. So I think with that type of feedback, it's just um, as long as the athlete mentality is in a good place, considering, you know, another national show to wrap it up is I think a a smart next move, but um, yeah, everybody, I felt like all of the feedback that I got was for my athletes was very specific. Like, these judges do a great job taking like intentional notes and uh sandy's just always like super kind in her deliverance so i don't know i found it very encouraging i know my athletes were encouraged as well too yeah and i think filling out or tightening up are just two things that you can always do in a short amount of time it's just Mm -hmm. like when there's ever something that says grow (laughs) You just got to take some time off. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that that's it's so important to, you know, stay after the show and get the personalized feedback because her and Attila both take good notes. And then she always keeps Attila's notes. So she'll Mm -hmm. not only tell you like what she wrote down, but she'll also tell you what Attila wrote down and she'll stay there until the last person, you know, she's just great like that. So I love that about Sandy. She's a sweetheart. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't think I had anything else to talk about other than just we're excited to see each other soon in Pittsburgh again at North American. So if you guys are out there, I know we had a couple people that um, said hello that are listeners and we just really appreciate it. We like to take pictures with you and um, for you to tag us. So um, and let us know what the what the shows mean to you, because, you know, we do this just to help out and um, we just appreciate that you you support the show and listen. So if you do want to help the show out and help other people find us, you can give us a rating or review. That's the best way to um, help other people that are interested in the same type of topics find us. 
Uh, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or we are also found on Podbean. And our Instagram is at Prep Life Podcast or at Glam Girl Bikini. And please tag us on your story. Share it and um, share the love with everybody. We'd love that. <laughs> yeah. uh, you can apply for the team if you'd like your own unicorn prep. You can go to glamgirlbikini.com and hit the get started button to apply. And this is your founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini signing off with my fabulous co-host. And this is Chris Nicole, Glam Girl Bikini coach and IFBB Bikini Pro. Thanks for listening, guys.